Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Thursday, January 31st. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, it's time to bid 2020 a fond farewell. Don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out, right? I think that's pretty much the sentiment that most of us have about this past year. So since it's New Year's Eve and I'm inclined to want to sleep in on New Year's Day, I decided that the Friday Gold Wrap will for just one week become the Thursday Gold Wrap. Or maybe you could just call it the 2020 Gold Wrap. I want to take just a few minutes today to look back at the year and ponder what might lie ahead. Now, one thing for certain, I don't think many people are going to pine for the good old days of 2020, but the pessimist in me isn't completely convinced that 2021 is going to be any better, certainly not when it comes to the economy. In fact, I think next year might be worse in economic terms than what we've seen this year. Now, in the first place, despite all of the optimism about vaccines, I kind of doubt the coronavirus is a thing of the past. I'm afraid that the powers that be have discovered that a pandemic makes them that much more powerful, and they're not going to want to give up that power, right? We're already hearing talk of mutated Rona strains, and I've read that the vaccine isn't going to end the need for masks. I doubt it will end the need for the occasional lockdown either. I mean, this is now the template that government officials have. We can uh, declare a crisis and basically just shut everything down. But let's be optimistic and assume that the coronavirus goes away. The economy is still wrecked. A coronavirus vaccine doesn't make the economy immune to the trillions of dollars in debt, a record increase in the money supply, and Federal Reserve monetary policy that really is never going to be able to stop. Now, if nothing else, 2020 has been a year for records. For instance, the money supply has grown at a record rate. As measured by the True Money Supply Measure, or TMS, which is a formula that was developed by economists Murray Rothbard and Joseph Salerno, and I think a little bit better measure than M2, money supply growth broke records eight straight months leading into October, and it was just a hair away from record growth in both October and November. Certainly, we've had a record on a yearly basis. Based on the more standard M2 measure, growth rate did reach historic highs in October and then set another record in November. And of course, there's no sign that money creation is slowing down. According to data released on December 18th, M2 surged by $228.1 billion in the preceding week. Wrap your head around this. In just one week, the Federal Reserve created $228 billion out of thin air. Of course, the Fed's balance sheet has increased right along with the money supply. As of the week before Christmas, the balance sheet was at a record $7.404 trillion. The central bank has more than doubled the amount of treasuries on its balance sheet since the beginning of the year. Let's put the Fed's balance sheet into a little bit of perspective. At the end of 2007, the balance sheet stood at around 880 
billion. The first big increase happened in the fall of 2008 when the Fed launched its first round of quantitative easing in response to the financial crisis. Within a few months, the Fed's balance sheet had ballooned to over $2 trillion. By the time the central bank had wrapped up three rounds of QE in 2015, the balance sheet stood at over $4.5 trillion, which at the time was a record. It got down to just over $3.7 trillion before the stock market started to tank in late 2018, and the Fed's ill-fated attempt to unwind all of the QE it did during the financial crisis and the ensuing recession. And that, I think, is a key point. Most people assume the Fed started growing its balance sheet again as an emergency measure in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. But the balance sheet was already back over $4 trillion before coronavirus reared its ugly head. It's interesting to look back at what I was saying this time last year. On the first podcast of 2020, which I think was January 3rd, I was talking about the Fed continuing with loose monetary policy. Again, at this point, there was no hint that the U.S. was about to shut down the economy for the pandemic. So the the key point here is that we were already easing into this extraordinary monetary policy before coronavirus. Here's what I said. The Fed was far and away the biggest driver for gold. That was in 2019. It is also the reason I think gold is going to have another big year in 2020. There is exactly zero indication that the central bank is going to tighten monetary policy in the upcoming year. Now, Powell and company say they aren't going to lower rates anymore, but I think rate cuts are far more likely than an increase. At the first sign the stock market is tanking, the Fed is going to rush in to save the day. That's what the Fed does. And as I've talked about before, Powell has basically said he's not worried about inflation. It's going to take a significant and persistent uptick in inflation before the Fed will act. So the inflation genie is coming out of the bottle, and that's good for gold. Gold is an inflation hedge. So that's what I said this time last year. You know, in a lot of ways, I think COVID-19 actually saved the Fed's bacon. The lockdowns gave the central bank an excuse to go all in on quantitative easing and bond buying. It would have had a hard time selling such a program in the absence of an emergency, but it was going to have to keep cutting rates, and it was going to have to keep upping the QE ante regardless. Instead, we got COVID-19, and here we are. So while we're talking about records, the U.S. government also set a record this year, a record budget deficit. The fiscal 2020 budget shortfall totaled $3.13 trillion. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why the Fed's balance sheet has exploded. The Fed has had to monetize all of this debt. The debt and the QE fit hand in glove. And this is why you can expect more quantitative easing, more money printing in the coming year. I mean, we just got another big stimulus bill with the giant spending bill, and they're already talking about more stimulus. And I think it's, again, important to note that that huge deficit, obviously bigger than it would have been without the coronavirus pandemic, but the budget deficit was already huge back in 2019. Trump ran the fifth biggest budget deficit in history in 2019 before coronavirus. The point I'm really trying to drive home here is what we're seeing in 2020 or what we saw in 2020 is really just 2019 put on steroids. We were heading in this direction anyway. We just got there a lot faster because of the pandemic.
Now, we're starting to see the impact of all of this extraordinary monetary policy on the dollar. The dollar index is currently at 89.68. It hit a two and a half year low overnight, and it has lost 7.5% of its value this year. It won't shock me at all if we take out the all time record low in the dollar index, which was in 2008. That was 71.58. I wouldn't be surprised if we knock that out this year. The question is, will 2021 be the year the bottom completely falls out of the dollar? I mean, it has to happen at some point, right? The Fed can't keep pumping dollars into the economy forever without some kind of inflationary backlash. I mean, as I've talked about before many times over the past year, the money printing is by definition inflation. And it is already showing up in asset prices. The stock market is at record highs, despite the Rona economy. Real estate prices, they're spiking. I'll give you some anecdotal evidence. My wife follows the market value of our old house in Kentucky that we sold last year. It's up to about 158000 We sold it for one forty nine exactly one year ago. Price of oil, it's going up. Bottom line is there is inflation, and it's only a matter of time before it starts creeping into the government's phony CPI number. And that's when the proverbial poo hits the fan. Because what is the Fed supposed to do when inflation gets hot? What's the standard response to inflation? Raise interest rates, right? And what is it impossible for the Fed to do with all of the debt that's in the economy and the necessity of keeping bond prices supported? Raise interest rates. Can't do it. I've talked about this before on the show. The Fed basically has two paths ahead of it, and it's going to have to choose between one or the other, and they both lead over a cliff. They're either going to have to raise interest rates and pop the huge debt bubble, or they're just going to have to let it keep going and destroy the dollar. You see, as long as the dollar was stable and strong, the Fed could create as many dollars as it pleased. As long as there was a strong demand for dollars, the central bank could increase the supply of dollars without any real problem. That's how the Fed can hold interest rates artificially low, even as the U.S. government borrows billions of dollars every single month. The Fed can keep bond prices supported through its QE bond purchases. It can keep expanding its balance sheet. In effect, it's creating artificial demand for bonds. But if the dollar tanks... Well, that's when it's going to get ugly. Now, another place where we've seen the impacts of QE and a weakening dollar is in the price of gold and silver. You know, a lot of people have kind of been down on precious metals the last couple of months because of the big drop we've seen since August. And that's been driven in large part by this excessive risk on mentality that the markets have taken on in response to the vaccines, to getting the elections behind us. People are not interested in safe havens. The stock market has really been rallying. But if you look bigger picture, both gold and silver have had fantastic years. On New Year's Eve 2019, gold was trading at 1520.90. It dropped below that level briefly in March before charging to a new record high of over $2,000 an ounce in August. Now, as I record this, we're currently trading at around 1896.70. We've actually gone up about $3 since I started working on the podcast. So we're within reach of maybe closing out the year above $1,900. An ounce. But even where we are now, we're looking at a 24.5% increase in the price of gold on the year. Not too shabby. 
That follows on the heels of a 19% increase in 2019. 2020 was the best year for gold since 2010. Now, interestingly, as great as the stock market has been this year, U.S. stocks averaged out are only up 18.3% from last December 31st. So gold has actually outperformed the broader stock market. Silver has had an even bigger year than gold. The white metal was trading at 1789 this time a year ago. As I record today, silver is at 2642 an ounce. That's a 47.68% increase year on year. In August, silver briefly pushed above $29 an ounce, but that wasn't near its all-time record. That's part of the reason I'm really bullish on silver moving forward into 2021. There's a lot of mainstream bullishness on silver, too. Both Saxo Bank and Bloomberg Intelligence project the white metal will break that record in 2021. A new record would put the price of silver over $50 an ounce. That would mean the price would double within the next year. Silver actually has a double top of around $50. It first got to that level in 1980 and then again in 2011. Now, historically, that would indicate that once it breaks that level a third time, it has a long way to run up. And the fundamentals are really good for silver too. The push towards solar power and other green energy initiatives will support the silver market in the coming years. Solar power generation is actually expected to nearly double by 2025, according to a report released last summer by the Silver Institute. Silver possesses the lowest electrical resistance among all metals at standard temperatures, and according to that report, potential substitute metals cannot match silver in terms of energy output per solar panel, so it's hard to substitute something cheaper for silver. Even if the global economy does recover more slowly than expected in the wake of the pandemic, and that's kind of what I I expect, green energy demand for silver will likely remain robust. Analysts expect many government stimulus plans will include funding for green initiatives. So even if the economy doesn't rebound, your governments are going to keep pushing this green energy. Now, more fundamentally, silver is a monetary metal, and that brings us full circle back to the Fed. It has no exit strategy for its inflationary, extraordinary money printing policy. By injecting so much stimulus into the economy in the past, the central bank has created a situation where it can never actually fight the inflation that it creates. Here's the question that you should ask yourself as you look ahead to 2021. If the Fed couldn't exit from its expansive monetary policy after the 2008 crisis, how in the hell is it going to do it now with another $3 trillion on its balance sheet and rising? I mean, Peter Schiff has speculated we could see a $10 trillion balance sheet by the end of 2021. The answer, I think, is it can't. It cannot exit from this monetary policy, and it won't because that's not what it does. In a nutshell, the Fed is stuck with forever stimulus. That's why I think 2021 is going to be another good year for gold and silver. That's why I don't think there's going to be a great economic rebound and a return to normalcy. I mean, normalcy was artificially low interest rates and money printing to begin with, right? So I think 2021 is going to be another good year for gold and silver. Now, if you want to talk to somebody about how you can benefit from what likely lies ahead. I highly recommend talking to a Shift Gold Precious Metals specialist. You can do that 
You can call 1-888-GOLD-160. You can shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. And they can tell you how that precious metals can fit into your portfolio, help your situation, help you reach your financial goals as we move ahead into a new year. So that is a gold wrap. Not only for this week, but also for 2020. So long, 2020. You can get more details on all of the stories and more. Keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes on the Shift Gold, Gold YouTube channel, Stitcher, Google Play. You'll find links to all of this stuff over on the show notes page as well as some notes from today's show. I do appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a very, very happy new year and a wonderful 2021. And hey, I'll talk to you next year.